0: Hello and welcome again to Metamorphosis, the podcast of Trinity United Methodist Church in Piedmont, Missouri, where we share the unchanging gospel with a changing culture. And I'm your host, Eric Sintel, and in this interview, I have the pleasure of interviewing my friend and fellow church member, Callum Reeve. Um, Callum Reavy has preached uh, as a guest pastor uh, a number of times at our church, as well as several other churches in our area. Um, he works as a hospice chaplain in his full-time position. But he's a very dynamic speaker and a really uh, devout man of faith um, and a good friend. Well, obviously, a lot of the people that listen know you, but some people who listen don't. So I'd like to start off with just having you introduce yourself. Um, Callum, could you tell our listeners a little bit about your background just so they can get to know you?
1: Yep. Okay. Uh, Well, uh, I was born in Sydney, Australia um, and lived there for the first 33 years of my life. Uh, Hence the silly accent. It is legit. Um, and about six years ago, I moved across to uh, Piedmont, Missouri, which is where Eric and I's church is based. And uh, my my wife's from St. Louis, uh, and so she, we lived across Australia for a little while, and then uh, we moved over here to Piedmont to help take care of her dad. He was unwell, um, so we came over here. And about six months after we got here, he passed away. But uh, we were able to spend that last six months with him. So that's uh, yeah, that's sort of how I come to be in, in the states. Um, yeah, personally, I am a hospice chaplain at the moment. I, uh, you know, help with end of life care, provide spiritual and emotional support, and uh, I preach at different churches around the area. Sometimes at Trinity uh, when that's available, uh, other times just at other churches, Methodist churches or different churches around the area. And uh, and I really love preaching and teaching. So uh, yeah, that's I mean that's sort of me in a nutshell, and not know how much more you want.
0: Sure. Yeah, and you preached at Baptist churches and in Fisk and around Brosley, where I grew up, a little bit further south of Piedmont, um, Baptist churches in our area, probably some non-denominational churches as well. So so if you are in need of a hired gun preacher, uh, <laughs> regardless of denomination, I highly recommend Callum Reeve. Uh Callum, can you, could you tell our listeners also a little bit about your faith journey?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I didn't start going to church about 15 or 16, and uh, uh, surprise, surprise, was because of a girl, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, uh, there was a girl I liked, and I, uh, yeah, she invited me to church, and as you do when there's a girl you like, you go along, so uh, so my, <laughs> my faith journey didn't start, perhaps on the uh, most holy of uh, holy of intentions, but uh, yeah, when I was there, I actually went to a, a thing called an alpha course, uh, which some of you guys may or may not be familiar with, it's uh, out of the UK, and it's basically a Christianity explained course. Um, that the church was running, uh, went there and heard a message on why did Jesus die, uh, which is obviously a very important message, and after I heard that, uh, yeah, you know, I came home, put my faith in Jesus after hearing that powerful message, and um, that was, like I said, probably a little under 20 years ago now. Um, since then, I have done training um, at seminary, and uh, got my Master's of uh, Arts in Bible Theology. And again, just over the last 20 years, just growing so much in my faith. Uh, God's brought so many wonderful people into my life to, yeah, just teach me stuff. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, my heart is full-time ministry. I initially thought that was going to be as a pastor of a church, but I've been discovering over the last 12 months in this role as a hospice chaplain that, uh, yeah, my my thinking on full-time ministry was evidently different from God's. But uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure we'll get into more, more of my. Uh, you know spiritual
0: journey as we go but I mean again that's in a yeah. nutshell okay great yeah and uh you you anticipated my next question what experiences people places scripture or other influences have shaped your faith journey you mentioned a couple things but you know maybe I'd like to give you a chance to elaborate on some of those yeah. those elements of your journey
1: yep yep mm-hmm. absolutely um okay uh i mean people i mean I always feel bad when I start listing specific names because as soon as I do that, I know there'll be a few people that I miss or, or whatnot. So uh, I, I am going to list a few specific names, much to that, even though I don't like it. But again, there are a few people that stand out. Um, starting sort of right at the beginning, uh, you know, some of the people from my Salvation Army church, the first place I went to, um, there were some really important people there that, that helped me when I was getting started. Um, there's a church leader called Major Ray Proud, Uh, back in Australia and and he was just a tremendous influence in my life. Um, Coming forward, um, there's a pastor actually over here in St. Louis that uh, at a church we visited with every time we visited here and his name's Matt Herndon from uh, Rooftop Church. If I can throw Matt a plug, Rooftop Church in St. Louis. Uh, He's an excellent, excellent Bible teacher, really good guy and uh, again has been, you know, given how much we've moved and changed over the last number of years, Matt has actually been a pretty solid spiritual influence in my life, so uh, yeah, Matt Herndon, Rooftop Church, uh, again, highly, highly recommend uh, that church, they've got a great online stream of the SEC, uh, moving forward again, when we got here, Pastor Tad Kradoff at, uh, at our church, Eric, uh, he is a really great guy, it Was his influence that uh, got me to go to seminary, I felt the Lord calling me to go there, and I come and said, Tad, I need some advice, uh, you know, can you recommend a seminary, sorry a seminary and uh, and he gave me the name of knox which is where he'd gone and again uh i'm just so thankful for the role tad's played in my life uh again spiritually personally uh and again getting me to seminary um and then again just many many other people throughout my life again if i haven't mentioned someone that's listening i'm really sorry <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of like the Oscar acceptance speech, you know, like they yes. rattle off as many names as they possibly can. Um, yeah, and and yeah. still miss some people, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, I thank God as
1: well. Since we're doing the Oscar speech, I do thank God for, for
0: everything he's done. Oh, uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. So, what challenges to your faith have you experienced, if any?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know that I've had many specific challenges um you know in terms of uh do i still believe or or how can i reconcile this passage or or that kind of thing so so my um i've never really doubted my faith i've never had that kind of challenge uh that being said i had the challenge of moving my wife and four kids halfway across god's green earth and uh and suffice so that was certainly a challenge um so, so again i never doubted god god's goodness i never doubted god through that but uh again, it was a long process between my wife and I, uh, reaching out to our local church leader in Australia, reaching out to Matt over here in the US, uh, reaching out to other people we trusted and just saying, well, we know what we think's best, but again, it's still a massive decision, so, uh, so that was certainly a challenge. Um, again, moving forward a number of years, uh, I had a challenging, about maybe 18 months, two years ago, I had a pretty big challenging time. Um, I was just Complete, uh, limbo. Um, I had some opportunities to minister at a church. Unfortunately, that fell through. Uh, the current job that I had at that time fell through. Uh, just a number of things just all seemed to come together, and, and I just found myself in limbo. I uh, went and did another another job for just you know a few months, and that you know ended up falling through. I did get the opportunity to be an interim pastor at a church, like I said a Baptist church in town there. Uh, but again, that was only an interim role that only lasted about six months then. That uh that role finished up, so uh, that was a really challenging time. Uh, again, it lasted about six to twelve months, about two years ago. Um, and again, I never doubted God's goodness. I never doubted God, but I certainly found found myself scratching my head and saying, "Well, uh, okay, I guess that's not the plan you had." I thought we were going to go this way, but we end up going that way. And uh, and again, that that all really come to an end when I got this new role as the hospice chaplain and. Like so that was about 12 months ago, and since then, it, it's just been really great. I've found stability that was lacking for a long while there, but um, again, I never doubted God in terms of His goodness or His existence or, or anything like that. It was more just, uh, gee, God, what, what's next? What You know, I, I thought we were going to go this way, but apparently we're, we're not going to go that way. So, uh, sure. Yeah, that, that's probably the biggest challenge of the last couple
0: of years. Sure. Yeah, and so my next question is how you responded to those challenges and it sounds like in the first instance it was by reaching out to fellow believers in your community. Um you if you want to elaborate on that that'd be great or if you want to focus more on, you know, how your thoughts went or what, you know, support systems you reached out to or, or whatever else you found to be helpful during that season of God, where are we going with this? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, the, the move over here, uh, that was just a lot of, it, like I said, reaching out to uh, to trusted sources. You know, that that's um, how we got through that challenge. Um, with the uh, with the limbo, the period of limbo. Um, I mean, to be honest, I didn't handle it exceptionally well. Uh, you know, but uh, but it was the same thing. Like trying to reach out to those that I trusted and sort of say, you know, what's happening. Um, a lot of personal sort of reflection. A lot of Honestly, a lot of crying out to God, you know, just directly going to Him and saying, Well, you know, great, God, I'm so thankful for this opportunity. I really look forward to this job, this role, this opportunity. And then it fell through. And God, okay, well, maybe we're going this way. And it fell through. And and uh, again, the way I handled it is just trusting God, which sounds cliche. I realize that. But again, it, it was all I had. You know, God, I thought we were going this way, but I guess we're not. You know, this really stinks. I'm not. Happy, but okay. I mean, I still trust you. You're still good. Um, in practical terms, uh, again, I and I reached out to Tad at our church as well. Just in, and one uh, really important message that came from that was grow where you're planted. I, uh, you know, I'd spend so much time thinking, oh well, when I get this new role, or when I stop doing this and start doing that, or or when, or when, or when, then I'll start doing the thing. And uh, and again, it was just that conversation with Tad the message come loud and clear grow where you planted I say God I'm in a dead-end job doing accounts payable or uh, you know whatever working in a different company doing their invoices and then bookkeeping it's like God this isn't ministry I don't want to be here this you know and uh, and again the message was just grow where you planted and and that helped you know just um, again just that faith and that trust in God I'm where he wants me to be you know, he's opened these doors, he's closed other doors, grow where you're planted. And I still try and live by that, you know, even so when when there's sort of, you know, times that are up in the air or anything like that, just
0: grow where you're planted. So again, that's a practical piece of advice that helped carry me through. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I, I really like that, you know, you say you trusted God and you recognize just that in itself as a cliche, um, but also, you know, I know you well enough to know that you made that choice, you know, that, that it wasn't just a cliche glib thing, like, well, I'm just going to trust God and hope it all works out. But, but no, you like chose to trust God, you know, and and even in the midst of your crying out and and that's something I've experienced as well that, you know, trusting God isn't, it, it gets thrown around in a shallow way, but when you're really choosing to trust God, it's a very deep thing. So, um, Yeah. anything else you want to add on that or or react to I
1: I mean uh, like I said I I, I did trust God and again to throw another cliche because I had no other options
0: sure (laughs) (laughs) you know I couldn't make
1: this church uh, change their mind or give me that role I couldn't make this other church change their mind I couldn't I couldn't do anything except say well God we prayed about this we we asked your hand to be on this situation we asked you to guide those church leaders we asked you to uh, you know just to turn the wheels that you would turn them, and then this is the outcome. It's like, you know, well, all right, I guess that's what God had in mind. You know, we, we put so much prayer into this. We trust the people making these decisions. We trust—I certainly trust God over the people that's making these decisions. You know, and and so again, I all I could do was trust in God. You know, instead of that idea of well, God, do your will, and then He does something, and then you sort say, well, I guess this is your will because that's what we've been praying for. So <laughs> again, that that was just really how. And we approached them, my
0: wife and I, and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And as you were talking, it, it occurred to me, I think a lot of times people, especially people outside the faith, would hear a conversation like this and say, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy, um, or it's just, you know, ex- rationalizing it after the fact, or, yeah. um, you know, that, and that's where the, that, that, phrase or that idea of trusting God can really seem cliche, Um, but I like to think too that maybe it was God's will for you to get the job at that church, but then the people in that church, you know, weren't, weren't exactly cooperative with that, you know, like they thought God's will was something else or, you know, they discerned something else and, you know, because that happens. I mean, believers can dis- reasonable people and including believers including Christians can disagree about things and including what they think God's will is or isn't but yeah you found yourself doing a ministry that you're very much in love with that you find very fulfilling and rewarding and you're really blessing people with it um and so you know maybe it was God's will it didn't, it didn't work out but he's continuing to work in your life you know and i and i think the older i get the more I understand that, and the more. I see evidence of that, and examples of that, and the more I kind of connect that to trusting God, like, well, I, you know, this isn't working out, but I'm going to trust you that you're still at work. Does That make sense. And, and I agree. I mean, I, you know, I've said take it a step further, and even, you know, the uh, that idea of well, you know,
1: even if, you know, people in different churches made their own choices, again. <laughs> <laughs> gonna get theologically if we not careful I believe even you know that uh, let me put it this way the divine sovereignty and human responsibility both coexist
0: yes so even though these people made their choices you know I, I
1: believe in, in the free will in that regard but even if as you say well that wasn't God's will in inverted commas uh, you know I still believe God was sovereign over that so it's uh, again um, I, I expect we'll talk more a bit about balance in a sec. I don't know I've listened to one or two of these and I know what questions are coming up. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would say, uh, you know, I just, even though I believe whatever choices those people made, they made of their own free will. But again, I can still stand back afterwards and say, well, that's God is sovereign over
0: that. Whether yeah, he operates in spite of us sometimes, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 he operates in spite of me every day. <laughs> 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 okay, um, so my my next question is, as you may have remembered or from previous episodes or anticipated, what are your thoughts on the current state of the church and or Christianity as a whole? Um, I think it's easy to
1: be pessimistic, and I think it's easy to uh, I don't know. I, th- I think that's easy, but um, again, I'm going to say something that's that's again, perhaps cliche, but it's, it's what I honestly believe, is that Christ is still on His throne. You know, we can look around and say, but, but this is happening, and that's happening, and this is happening in church, and that's happening in church. But uh, again, I truly believe that whatever the state of the church is, uh, Christ is on His throne, and we're going to be okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I I think that's just where I said land. Um, I mean, again, we've got... Problems in the Church of the Sec. I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll say we've got problems in the Church of the Sec. I mean, that's that's obvious, and uh, and there's problems in our world at Sec, and that's obvious, and and there's good representations of Christianity, and there's poor representations of Christianity, and and that's the way it's been for two thousand years since Christ was here. Um, but through that all, like well, I said, God is faithful, God is good, and uh, you know, I shared something on Facebook just the other day about for every one you know, Christian leader that we see fall, and you know there, there's sexual immorality, or there, there's uh, you know bullying, or whatever the case is. For every one of those, there's hundreds, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of faithful church leaders that are just going about the business of the Lord faithfully for a lifetime. You know, and and that's that gives me hope. That's you know that's the how I look at things. I mean, I visit a lot of little churches around our area, around Southeast Missouri, and. You know, they've got 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 people but they're faithful and mm-hmm. they're presenting the word. And again, that gives me hope. So uh, so again, you can read the headlines and see Christianity is in trouble or this or that or this past has fallen from grace, whatever the case is. But uh, my honest belief is Christ is on his throne, that the gates of hell should not prevail against it. And uh, and again, that's, that's where I find my hope.
0: Sure. Very well said. Yeah, I think that's important to, and that's one reason why I asked the question, honestly, uh, to distinguish between to, to kind of define what we're talking about, you know. Because I think Americans, as as you probably know very clearly, being a uh, an immigrant, is we tend to really focus on ourselves. You know, <laughs> when we talk about the church, what we really mean is the American church, and and so yeah, it's definitely ref- and when we and often when we talk about the the American church we're thinking of the prominent uh, pastors and voices and things. And, and so, yeah, that's, I really appreciate you pointing out that, you know, the church is bigger than America. It's bigger than earth really. Um, and it's bigger than uh, just those celebrity pastors or those, um, yeah. you know, prominent voices. Yeah. And so my next question is uh, what advice would you give for engaging millennials and Gen Z with the gospel?
1: Uh, again, you know, <clears throat> like I said, I have listened to one or two of these and I knew this question was coming, so <laughs> it's going to be even more disappointing when I say, uh, I don't really have a good answer. Uh, you know, I, am raising a couple little millennials myself and, uh, and, uh, I guess they're millennial. I mean, maybe um, they're not, are our kids still millennials I think, or
0: they- I think they're Gen Z. I think millennials are dated now from, uh, 1985 to, or 1984 or 1980. There, there's been different dates. I think officially, yeah. officially, it's 1980 to uh, nine 2005, maybe, because they dated it from 1980 to uh, the last kids that remember 9-11. Okay. Yeah, and so, like, I think you and I are older millennials, and... <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, i have seen something that I'm, a, I'm an ex I'm 81, yeah. so I sort of run that weird little, mm-hmm. uh, what do they say, analog... Analog uh, childhood, a a digital adulthood, or something like that. Anyway, gotcha. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, l- let me answer the question this way. Uh,
1: the best way to reach anyone, uh, millennial, Gen X, boomer, bastard, wh- whoever, is, uh, is just with love and genuine relationships. I mean, I know that's, that is pretty cliche for for the millennial and the, and the Gen X generation, is that idea of, oh, be sincere, be genuine, uh, you know, and. Uh, I completely affirm it and I'll take it a step further and say you know it's again it's not a generational thing everyone needs to know that they genuinely love and genuinely care about them. I mean those that know me know that I'll, I'll always ask hey how was your week and I hope they know that I genuinely mean it I want to know how was your week I care I am concerned you can tell me it was fine and we can go our separate ways or you can say to me oh look this happened or that happened or the kids did or my wife did or my husband did, like, and it's very intentional. I want people to know that I care. I mean, that's how you reach people of any generation with the gospel: is genuine love and care and concern. And uh, and again, like I said, I think that goes across all generations. I mean, I know the younger generation specifically are looking for authenticity and whatever, but uh, again, I, I don't think that's just the younger generations. I think that's everyone. And again, it's just so powerful to say, "No, I've got time for you. I'm, I'm genuinely interested. I genuinely care." And I think that uh, again, it's as simple as saying, "Hey, how are you?" And then taking the time to stop and listen when someone speaks. You know, uh,
0: again, so often it's, "How are you?" Oh, "I'm good. How are you?" "Good." <laughs> Great. You know? Or you don't even wait. Response. You don't even wait to hear the response. You just keep, you know, "Hey, how are you?" you and keep going. <laughs> Sure. I, so again, I think to reach all generations, uh, Millennials, Gen X, whoever you want to say, genuine relationship. And and, and again, I, I can't say it any more clearly, just be genuine, be honest. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And I think uh, in terms of the question about how to sort of, reach them with the gospel and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Then, then I'll take it a step further and say, well, yes, be genuine, be honest. That's uh, certainly a large part of it. But... Probably the questions coming up, but but from a, a ministry point of view, um, just uh, I'll tell you what. Forget that. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. I want to. Yeah. I want to follow up on that, but I'm gonna come back to it later. I think because I don't want to interrupt your thoughts. Um. Mm. All right. So my next question is: how, What advice would you give for engaging skeptics, doubters, or even atheists?
1: Um, same thing. Love them, uh, and again, I don't just genuinely love them. I mean, don't go in with an agenda of oh, I've got to drive, or I've got to convince you of these presuppositions or I've got to convince you that Jesus raised from the dead. I mean, there's a time and a place for that, but honestly, anyone you meet, say, hey, how are you? You know, how are you going? I'm genuinely interested. Again, it's uh I don't know if it was Bill Hybels, you know, speaking of pastors that maybe be falling from grace a little bit, but, uh, but he said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So uh, again, as you approach those that believe differently from you, uh, be that atheist or skeptic, or, I mean, honestly, if it's a Baptist and you're a Methodist, or if it's a Pentecostal and you're a Catholic, uh, in all those situations, approach them first and foremost with love and care, and just ask them questions. Hey, what do you believe? What do you think? Get people speaking, and uh, and again, just again, listen. You know, um, again, in practical terms, I mean, if you want to engage, you know, atheists, skeptics, I mean, again, let's be honest. As Christians, we know the half dozen top questions we're going to get. Um, so there is so much, uh, so many resources out there uh, that can provide answers and give you help to those difficult questions. You know, obviously, why is there suffering? How do we know Jesus rose from the dead? How do we know the Bible's what it's meant to be? And uh, again, there's so many resources out there to have that information, that that answer ready by all means. But again, don't go in looking to give them three reasons why Jesus rose from the dead. Don't go in looking to give them the philosophical argument of the uncreated creator. You know, go in and say, "Hey, how are you? What's your experience?" Um, you know, and and I guess the last thing I'd say is it's okay not to have the answers. You know, I do a lot of funerals, obviously, in my role. And, uh, you know, there's a, a, a passage I usually use, which is Jesus healing the uh, the man that was, uh, his friends brought him in on a mat, you know. And, uh, and again, that's based on a message I heard from Pastor Matt Herndon. Um, and, you know, I sort of say, well, Jesus didn't provide that man physical healing initially, but he provided him something so much greater. He provided forgiveness of his sins. That was the greater miracle that day. And to prove that he had the power to do the greater miracle of forgiving the man's sins, he did the lesser miracle of healing his body. So as I preach uh, at a funeral about, well, hang on, why didn't God heal my, my loved one's COPD or cancer or whatever the case is, I say, look, that is an incredibly difficult question. I don't want to pretend that I have an answer to that. What I do want to tell you is that that is the lesser of the miracles that God did that day. The greater miracle was forgiving the man's sin. And God doesn't promise us the lesser miracle in this life. He doesn't promise us physical healing, but he does always promise us the greater miracle, which is that spiritual healing. And you've got me preaching, and I don't even
0: remember what the question was. <laughs> no, that answered the question very well. Yeah, I, and like I said, my, uh, the point I
1: guess I was trying to make is, you don't have to have the answer. Well, why did my husband die of cancer? I don't know. I'm sorry. It's terrible that happened. Let me walk with you through that grief journey. Let me support you. Let me give you a shoulder to cry on. You know, I'm not gonna. I'm certainly not gonna lead with. Well, it was God's will. He's got a plan, isn't God marvelous? That's useless. Yeah. What is more useful? And and again, just bringing you back to my work situation. You know, I I come into rooms where where patients are are dying. Like you know, and I don't go in there and say let me give you a three-point sermon on the the sovereignty of God and how he's in control even in this. I go in, I may read the 23rd Psalm, and then I sit and I listen and I care and I love, and honestly, I do my best not to speak too much at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't try and go in with answers. I don't try and go in and put a smile on their face. I literally just sit with them in the midst as they walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Mm -hmm. you know? Like literally, you know, and I remind them all, well, God is here with you. You know, it's uh, again, we're a ways away from the question, but uh, but how do you engage skeptics, doubters, atheists? I mean, how do you engage anyone? You love them, you care for them, you say, hey, I am here, and then and then you pray for them. You say, God, give me the opportunity. If this person has that question burning in their heart, you want me to answer today, then then open that door. But God, if you just want me to just be another link in the chain that shows them love, gives them comfort, gives them peace, then God, just help me to do that well.
0: Yeah, I think that's very, very well said, um, and you know, really speaks to the importance of authenticity and you know, how do you yes. engage people? Well, you love them, you care about them, and you show them that through listening, through authenticity. Um, one thing that that I wanted to follow up on, I've never, I haven't thought about this before. And so this is off the top of my head. Um, but, you know, I, I'm sure you're familiar with The Five Love Languages um, by Gary Chapman. And and so he posits that people maybe express love in certain ways and receive love in certain ways. And so, like, if my love language is a physical touch, you know, the best way for me to express love and to receive love might be through a hug. But if my spouse or my friend or my or whoever's love language is you know words of affirmation all my hugging isn't communicating love to them you know and and uh if i and then if i say something mean that's like very much communicating a lack of love and so i wonder if that even applies generationally like that you know a baby boomer in general generally speaking Baby boomers, my experience, love and communicate and receive it one way, and millennials a thir- second way or different way in general, and Gen Z, you know, the youngest young, you know, the teenagers now, um, early twenties maybe, you know, that they experience it even a different way, perhaps. Um, what, are you, like I said, I've never thought about that before, never explored that, researched it or anything like that. So, but I just want to bounce that idea off of you. What do you think about that possibility?
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with the the five love languages, and uh, and again, I've done a little bit of reading on that, not a lot. And um, again, something that's you know that you touched on that I want to pick up is just that reality. I guess I'm speaking more to to family dynamics and husbands and wives and that kind of thing, rather than, than ministry specifically. But just be aware that if someone's language is uh, words of affirmation or whatever, uh, just the the power that that can hold when you say mean word or a thoughtless word again that's not my love language you can say this say that and it would just roll off my back you know but for others again you have gotta be so careful because what would roll off my back would devastate other people in my life that 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 uh you know that's their love language so um that was just something you mentioned and that's that's really important uh in terms of generationally uh i don't know um like so i haven't done enough thinking of it I mean, I guess uh, it comes back to that idea of nature versus nurture, you know, uh, how much of our, our wants, our desires, our, our loves are based on just who we are innately, our nature, and how much is based on the nurture, the environment we find ourselves in. Um, I think everyone is a mix of nature and nurture, you know, we're, we're obviously a product of the time, the place and the environment we're born into, uh, and obviously, you know, God's given us each individual characteristic. So, I think from the nurture point of view, you know, if you've got young people growing up in a, a an environment that is less uh, caring, you know, then, then they're going to have that more need for contact. You know, if, uh, you, you know, you go back, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years when people lived closer and, and there was more of physical contact and that was more the dumb thing, then maybe that influenced them. I mean, I, again, I haven't done the research, but I think the uh, the answer li- lies oh dang, you know, there's nature and there's nurture. And again, I mean, that the nurture aspect, the environmental aspect may be influenced by the time and the place we find ourselves in. Uh, again, uh,
0: that, that'd be my off-the-cuff answer to your off-the-cuff question. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Uh, thanks for exploring that with me for a moment. Um, so last question, it's a two-parter because um, it seems to work better that way. <laughs> the, how? Uh, what is one thing you wish Christians would stop doing, and what is one thing you wish Christians would either continue doing or begin or start doing? Okay. Yep.
1: Okay. Uh, l- let me start with. Uh, let me start with one thing I wish they'd stop doing. Um, I wish they'd stop seeing the world in black and white. Uh, and let me clarify that because that's a dangerous statement. Uh, I-, I wish we would stop breaking ourselves down into us and them. Black and white, right and wrong. And again, don't don't get me wrong. I believe in objective truth. I believe that there is a right and answer in situations. I certainly believe that God is the objective moral lawgiver. You know, I certainly affirm all that that I know you've spoken about before. But uh, but again, you know, I really wish that we would stop just dividing ourselves. Um, you know, uh, again, I, <laughs> in thinking about this question, I was going to lead with uh I wish we could make Venn diagrams great again. <laughs>
0: because,
1: uh, I love Venn diagrams. I love this idea of, you know what, the two circles don't have to be separate. It's okay to say, well, look, I, I believe a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, um, a- again, obviously, we've just come through a difficult political season. I mean, the country literally split down the middle. Like, there was a reasonably equal number of votes for both candidates, and make it that what you will. But, but again, the fact is, it was... It was very clearly divided. You are either red or you were blue. And uh, and again, you know, I, I don't want to discuss policies or politics, but if you can't see that the other team actually has some good planks in their policies, then again, I, uh, I don't know, that frustrates me. Again, I, I, I have the team that I support and the team that I voted for, the president I voted for, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean that the other guy is awful, terrible, and no very good at all. Like it, Again, so what, what I wish we'd stop doing is just dividing ourselves. Um, and again, you know, it, it's obviously politics is front of mind at the sec, but it's anything. I mean, it's uh, your view on creation. It's your view on baptism. It's your view on the sacraments. And again, I love having discussions with people that, that have a different view of creation than I do, you know, or a different view of Genesis, the first couple of chapters than I do, or a different view on... Uh, I was going to say soteriology, which means salvation, you know, that whole Calvinism versus Arminianism. That there's there's an element of truth that we have to hold on to. Like, we have to believe God created the earth. That before God, you know, there was nothing except God. God spoke and then there was something. And again, I think there's arguments that can be made for a young earth position or a literal interpretation of Genesis. And I think there's arguments that can be made for a, a poetic, a, a, an old earth position. And again, I I run in circles where there's both, and I'm so thankful for that. You know, I don't just blacklist people that believe this because they don't believe what I believe. So uh, again, to, to give a, a long answer to a short question, I just wish we would stop dividing ourselves, be willing to engage in conversation, and again, show love and care and concern, listen to what other people have to say. Uh, even if their viewpoint's different, yours. Um, again, if I can uh, plug a, another podcast, Eric, I don't know if you're familiar with this, I imagine you are, but Unbelievable, uh, by Justin Briley out of the UK. And this is a Christian show, a Christian host, but every week they get a Christian and a non-Christian in to discuss different positions, you know, be it a, again, look it up, Unbelievable uh, podcast, uh, out a premier Christian radio in the UK. Um and again, the amount of people that listen to that and say, "Wow, I was just so thankful to hear the other person's point of view," you know. And and again, sometimes they have Christians discussing with other Christians about young earth, old earth, different things. So, uh, look, what what's one thing I wish we stop doing is just stop dividing ourselves. I'm not saying we should abandon truth. I'm not saying we should abandon objective truth. I'm not saying we should abandon our belief that God has laid out His law for us and there is a correct there is a correct way to do things. What I'm saying is uh, hold tight to, to some things. You know, certainly, you know, the Apostles' Creed. I mean, that's not a negotiation, but be willing to at least engage with the other team, with the, the other group, with the other political party, with the, the Calvinists or with the Armenians, or with the old earths or with the young earths or with the uh, infant baptism or with the believer baptism. Just engage and don't immediately blacklist that group You know, whoever they are, whichever side of whichever argument you fall (laughs) on, don't keep dividing ourselves. Yeah. what I wish would stop
0: doing. (laughs) Very well said. (laughs) What I wish would stop
1: doing. (laughs) Uh, Get back in your Bibles. Again, it's cliche. It's something a pastor says, but it's something that I genuinely believe. You know, I was speaking about this in the church I was preaching at yesterday. I uh, started the scripture reading, and I said, look, it's on page 157 of the Pew Bible. Please, pick it up, read along with me. I want my church that I lead to be in the Word. And I said to them, look, I want you to read this with me, because if I say something that's not right, please call me out. You know, and I encourage people everywhere, when your pastor stands up and says, the Bible says, check him. And I'm saying that as a pastor, check Hey, get back in the Bible for yourself. So often we are convinced or told, you know, uh, oh, the Bible says, oh, the Bible says. And uh, again, I am just so passionate about reading the word for ourselves, being engaged in the word for ourselves. So when people come and tell you in no uncertain terms that the Bible says, you know, hang on, where? Give me a chapter, give me a verse, where the Bible says. Mm-hmm and uh, and again just to speak personally for a minute part of my journey over the last certainly number of years certainly going since going to seminary is the amount of things that you know someone has said oh this is this is in the bible this is the way it is and going back and finding well, it's not you know what does the bible actually say what does the bible say in this situation and again that certainly helped me as a preacher um you know to present the word faithfully well I know what I'd like it to say but uh what it actually says and so uh what's something i wish we would start doing or keep doing uh it's just honestly get back into the bible and if nothing else then when the minister or the preacher or the pastor stands up on sunday morning and says today's reading is from the gospel of luke chapter 7 go to the gospel of luke chapter 7 read along with them and make sure that again if they ever say anything that disagrees with what you read again go to them don't Abuse them. Don't say, well, you're terribly wrong, pastor. Say, hey, I didn't get that from this passage. I'm familiar with the passage. I read along with you. I, I've taken the time to study through it this week. Or, or Whatever the case is, can you show me where you got that interpretation? Again, it's uh, just get back into the Bible for ourselves and don't take it at face value. When some clown stands up and says, well, the Bible clearly says, ask for a <laughs> chapter, ask for a verse, ask for the evidence and then go and do the study yourself. I'm a, a great believer in the power of the word of God in and of itself. It, you know, you can sit and you can read it and he can speak through it and, uh, you, you know, <laughs> speaking as someone that studies the Bible and, and presents resources, it's great to have someone that studies the Bible and presents resources. That's a helpful tool God's given us. But nothing is any more powerful than the word of God in and of itself. Sit down, read it for yourself. You know that's that's something I wish we either start doing, if not doing it, or, or certainly continue
0: doing it. Don't take for granted when people say, "Well, the Bible says." Yeah. Again, a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, it's an important answer, um, and I, I would add to you know both of those things. You know, as far as you know, stop di- dividing ourselves. Uh, I think that is so true and so important. You know, we it It seems that, in the last several years, and especially the last couple of years, we've lost the ability for nuance, we've lost the ability to to say, You know I disagree with you on these i just dis- i agree with you on some things, and we can still be friends <laughs> and yeah, and we've also um and i think I think a lot of that has to do. With social media and the way it amplifies the loudest, most um, extreme voices, and it um, it literally, you know, creates metrics that kind of sort us and and it also, I mean, I, I've tried to make this known in, in various ways, and, and not on the podcast, but in other things I do. That you know what you see in the the feed of Facebook or the Twitter stream or the or wherever you're on social media isn't necessarily reality. You know, they're not showing yes. you what's out there. They're showing you what gets engagement because they want you to stay on that platform as much as yes. they can get you to. Yes. Um, and so, you know, they're, I've actually done a Facebook detox and found it to be very useful and helpful. I would encourage our, our listeners to consider that if, if they're feeling some of what I'm describing. Um, but I also wonder too if some of that Tendency to divide ourselves along these these belief systems or belief, specific beliefs is reflective of our insecurity, our our, our um, difficulty with mystery. You know, like take baptism for example. You know, like that, like you said, that's a big thing. Some people. Will say, well, if you're not baptized, uh, you are going straight to hell when you die. Um, and it's like, well, wait a minute. This person gave their life to Christ. Um, they were, you know, on their way to the church to get baptized and got in a wreck. You know what? What about that? And and pe- some people will still insist, well, you know, because it says it here in the Bible. And uh, you know, Jesus said, "Baptize the believers in my name." Therefore, if you're not baptized, you're going to hell. You know, and it's like, wait a minute maybe we can you know at the very least let's agree to disagree on this um rather than fight about it but then you know i have to wonder if that division it's like well no we are going to fight about it because you're wrong and i'm right i wonder how much of that speaks to like that person's insecurity about what they think or that or what they believe you know that deep down they're not really quite sure about that themselves (laughs) or they recognize that there's some element of mystery. Like, you know, I I, I use this phrase in an essay I recently wrote. Um, you know, I think this is, makes sense based on my reading of Scripture and especially Jesus, but I wasn't in – I'm not privy to the uh, angel of meeting minutes and, you know, the records of the decision-making, so I don't really know for sure. Um, and I, I think if people are honest with themselves, they would admit that – that's kind of true of almost everything we believe. You know, we we think this is true based on scripture, prayer, church yeah. tradition, um, a holy the Holy Spirit, and are trying to listen to it. But at the end of the day, there's always that some element of mystery, and you're either comfortable with that or uncomfortable with it. And if you're uncomfortable, it's easy to fall into. Well, I'm just going to believe this because. And anyone who doesn't believe that makes me feel uncomfortable about it. And I, you know. I don't know. That's a little bit, maybe that's a little bit pop psychology, but it, it seems accurate to what I'm observing around me, what I've observed in myself at times, to be honest. Um, yeah. And then the other thing I was, I was going to say real quick too um, about your other answer about getting into the word I would add, uh, there are so many great resources now, you know, the Bible project um, probably would be the main one I would recommend, but there are so many good podcasts, good uh, websites, good study Bibles, um, because I think, you know, it can be challenging when you, you, you're you like, okay, my, my pastor made a really passionate plea to get into the Word, so I'm going to do it. And then you get into like, you know, whether you start in Genesis or you start with Matthew, you know, you get into it and you're like, what is going on? Like, it's like a foreign language. Oh, that's because it is. It's a translation of a foreign language. Um, an ancient one at that, and oh, the, it's like a foreign culture. Oh, it is a foreign culture, and an ancient one at that. And so uh, the resources that we have to help us make sense of it could help us to get into it and to engage with it. Um, so anything else you want to add, Callum, or, or do you want to... Uh, no,
1: I, I mean, a couple of things. <laughs>
0: yeah, sure. Um, j- just since we're
1: on resources, again, I completely co-signed the Bible project. Uh, mm-hmm. They have a thing. It used to be called Read Scripture. I think it's called Overview now. But if you go to YouTube and look at the Bible Project for all sixty-six books of the Bible, they've given a five-ten-minute video giving you a complete sixty-four-thousand-foot view of the book. Uh, that's the first place I go when I start studying a new book myself. And so again, I completely co-sign the Bible Project on YouTube as a as a resource. Um, and and you're right. You know, it's 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 difficult that that's out there. Um, Sorry, it's difficult to grasp Sometimes There is so much, so many resources out there. And even, honestly, you go to, uh, you know, the, I guess, BibleGateway.com or whatever, and there's so many free commentaries available even on the Bible. And, and there's commentaries. Like, we've had the New Testament for 2,000 years now. <laughs> I promise you, whatever question you have has been answered. You know? <laughs> uh, and uh, just do the research. Just... Uh, no, there's so many resources out there. Again, uh, you know, Eric gives the, the contact details for our church. Uh, again, I'm on Facebook. Callum Reeb, look me up if you've got a specific question. Again, no problem. I'm going to have the answer. You're certainly welcome to reach out to me. Um, look, one other uh, resource for the Bible listener, for the podcast listeners, a really simple uh, podcast called the Daily Audio Bible. Uh, DailyAudioBible.com, I assume. Literally, it's a daily podcast, and he reads a section of the Old Testament, New Testament a proverb and a psalm every day. And then some days you'll give commentary. Some days you just says, look, look, there's the word. Um, so again, you're after a resource and you're a podcast listener, dailyaudiobible.com. I mean, it, it runs literally 365 days a year. You can get into the last month of this year. And again, on uh, January 1st, you will start back in Genesis, back in Matthew, back at Psalm 1, back at Proverbs 1, and uh covers the whole Bible in a year. Honestly, 15, 20 minutes, even um, less if you listen on double speed. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, if you want a resource, that's another really great resource, Daily Audio Bible. Um, and look, what, one thing is jumping back to our questions about going into tribes and whatnot, um, I'm certainly not going to wade into the waters that you waded to, no pun intended about baptism. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I will say is a uh, you know, word that I think really sums up uh, basically everything I said is the word humility. Yeah. you know we just need humility i don't have the corner on truth eric doesn't have the corner on truth the Baptists don't the Methodists don't the catholics don't the pentecost mm-hmm. take your pick. the atheists don't the skeptics don't have the corner on truth so just reminding ourselves that and, and just coming at it with humility definitely you know, you know just you say there's some people they believe baptism has has to be this way and there's no mm-hmm. other way well, there's a group that believes salvation happens like this, and it can't possibly happen any other way. So, again, I would just say humility—the willingness to say, like you said, "Look, this is what I've got from my study of Scripture. This is how I interpret it. This is what I believe. This is, you know, my, my logical argument for that." But you know what? I'm humble enough to say, "Let me hear your point of view," and I'm humble enough to say, "You know what? I was wrong. Mm. I was incorrect. Yeah. My view on baptism has now changed. My view on..." Salvation has changed. My view on the age of the earth has changed. Not that I was incorrect and now I'm correct, but I'm humble enough to say, you know what? You raise a good argument. I can see the benefit of that politician's policy. I can see something about that candidate that I didn't see before because I'm humble
0: enough to admit that I don't have the corner on truth. Yeah. So again, it's uh, again, I think to sum it up into
1: words, just humility. Humility to realize that the red team He's not entirely wrong the blue team is not entirely wrong you know we can learn from both if we're humble enough to admit that my team doesn't
0: have all the answers whatever team that may be <laughs> so again a, a long answer to a short question humility yeah that's that's a really yeah. in great point to end on um you know humility authenticity and humility are so important yeah, yeah. Um, I like to say or think, and re- I like to say and also remind myself, um, I'm not God, thank God. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, well, Callum, thank you so much for this interview and for doing this. Um, do you want to share how listeners could reach out and connect with you? Uh,
1: yeah, look, like I said, I'm on Facebook. I'm pretty sure all my stuff is public. Um, I'm not on Twitter very much. You'll find me if you look, but you'll also find my last tweet about 10 years ago, and it says, I don't know how Twitter works. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> look I'm on Facebook all the time that's probably the best way to get me um, yeah, I'm not going to give out my cell phone number but if you direct message me and want you to chat on my cell phone then uh, again I'll do my best to reach out to you but again I'm about the place. So I'm on YouTube uh, if you want to look up Callum Reeve there's some of my sermons on there and uh, again hit me up let me know what you think and, and certainly correct me if I said something that makes you think wait one second um, yeah, anyways uh, that, that's probably the best place to find me is on
0: all right, great. Thank you so much, Callum. Really appreciate it. Well, that was a great conversation with Callum Reeve. Um Really appreciate him coming on and sharing his thoughts and answering all my questions. Um, and I hope that that was uh, beneficial to you, the listener. If you haven't yet, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to it. Uh, download our app, uh, UMC Trinity app. Text that to seven seven nine seven seven. And you can download our app and you'll get kind of a one stop shop uh, for all of our podcasts, for our uh, uh, church live stream, our YouTube channel, as well as ways to connect with our groups and uh, learn more about uh, what we're doing at our church at Trinity UMC in Piedmont, Missouri. Um, so, again, that's just texting UMC Trinity app with a single space between UMC Trinity and app to 77977. Thank you very much. God bless.